And so this is the Feast of Shavuot, or later First Fruits. This is the, uh, th- the uh, third of those required feasts of the Lord. And so with this, let us now turn to the book of Vayikra, which is Leviticus, and we'll begin in chapter 23. And as you're turning there, and we'll, beginning in, we'll be beginning in first, verse 15. And just to give you a little background, on the holy day called Yom Habakrim, the day of first fruits, the first fruits of the harvest, the barley harvest, were brought and waved before the Lord. And this represents of Yeshua dying upon the tree, being buried in the tomb of that rich man, and then raising up from the dead. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. That happened during Pesach, Passover, where he was our Passover lamb. Now going forward here, we now have the celebration of counting those 50 days. And so with this, the 50 days followed later. The latter first fruits of the wheat harvest were offered to the Lord on the holy day, which is known by two names to Jewish people, known as Shavuot, which means weeks, because it occurs seven weeks after Pesach, Passover, Deuteronomy 16.10. Greek-speaking Jews and many Christians call this day Pentecost, which means 50th, because it occurs 50 days after Yom HaBukrim, which is first fruits, the barley harvest, found in Leviticus 23.16. Shavuot is designated as a time of thanksgiving for the early harvest. God's faithfulness providing the early wheat harvest increases faith for abundant fall harvest, which is then gathered during the time of Sukkot, tabernacles in the fall. Giving thanks for the present provision leads to faith for a future fruit of harvest. And so let us begin in Leviticus chapter 3, beginning at verse number 15. For the day after the rest, that is, from the day you bring the sheaf and waving, you are to count seven full weeks until the day after the seventh week, you are to count 50 days. Then you are to present a new grain offering to the Lord. You must bring the bread from your homes for waving, two loaves made with one gallon of fine flour, baked with leaven as first fruits for Adonai. Along with the bread, present seven lambs without defect, one year old and one young bull and two rams. These will be a burnt offering for Adonai with their grain offering and drink offerings an offering made by fire as a fragrant aroma for Adonai. Offer one male goat as a sin offering and two male lambs, one year old, as a sacrifice, a peace offering. The Kohen will wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering before Adonai. With the two lambs, these will be holy for Adonai, for the Kohen. On the same day you are to call a holy convocation, and do not do any kind of ordinary work. This is to be a permanent regulation throughout all your generations, no matter where you live. And so us Jewish people were part of the diaspora outside of the land of Israel. 
we're also to honor the Lord in his feasts. And so now going forward, here, as we, as we focus on God's word, in the Brit Hadishah observance, the festival is mentioned a number of times in the Brit Hadishah, the New Testament. Rav Shaul of Tarsus planned his travels in correlation with Shavuot Pentecost. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 8. But I, Rav Shaul, will remain in Ephesus until Shavuot. The most famous record of this holy day appears in the book of Acts. So now let us turn to that portion. So turn with me to Acts chapter 2, and we'll begin in verse number 1. If you notice in our responsive readings, we covered portions of this. Acts chapter 2 and beginning at verse 1. It's beautiful to note that the Lord established his Torah with God's people on Shavuot, on Mount Sinai. But now he also, there was a promise from, from the Father that Yeshua spoke to his Talmudim. He said, do not go out, but wait. Spend time in prayer, time in fasting. And then wait for the Ruach, the Spirit, to be poured out upon you. One thing I would like to make uh, us notice right here is that you recall in David when he was in repentance, as recorded in the Psalms, one of his plea was, Adonai, Lord, please do not take your Ruach. Take your Spirit from me. Why? Because in the Tanakh times, the Ruach would come upon God's certain chosen people at different times. Because David was a bore witness that at one time, King Shaul, King Saul, actually prophesied. And the spirit of the living God would come on him from time to time, but because of his rebellion, would often leave him. And so David was pleading because he knew he was, he was in sin. And he did not want God's spirit because he knew what, what was God's ultimate ending of Shaul, King Saul. He did not want them also to happen to him for he truly had a personal relationship with the Lord. Now, as we go here into Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, the spirit not only comes upon them, but the Ruach dwells within them. This is where the Spirit takes out that stony heart and gives them a heart of flesh. Just as the Torah, the law was given on Mount Sinai, we tried to obey it with having hearts of stone through works. But the Lord promised through Jeremiah that one day he would take out our stone heart and give us a heart of flesh, therefore allowing us to circumcise our hearts that they would be pure and holy unto the Lord. By receiving the Ruach, the Spirit of the living God, where Yeshua was able to fulfill Torah while he lived here on earth, we likewise, not in our own works, but through the receiving of the Ruach, the enabling, the equipping, the discerning of the Ruach who leads us into all truth, then we're able to fulfill God's word. It's not a work of ourselves. Because Messiah Yeshua has done this. 
And what's sad today, there are many Christian believers today who are learning about their Jewish roots of their Christian faith, but they are now going towards the part of going through works to honor Torah. They're setting aside Yeshua, and this is wrong. They're walking away from the completed work in Messiah that he has fulfilled. It's only through Messiah that we are righteous, through his work, but not works of our own, all our works to be based by faith, by the leading, equipping, and the indwelling of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the living God. Let's bring it, begin in Acts chapter 2. The festival of Shavuot arrived, Pentecost, and all, and the believers all gathered together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from the sky like a roar of a violent wind, and it filled the whole house that they were sitting. Then I saw what looked like tongues of fire, which separated and came to rest on each of them. They were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh and to be, began to speak in different languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, religious Jews from every nation under the heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered, and they were confused because each one heard the believers speaking in his own language. Totally amazed, they asked, how is this possible? Aren't all these people who are speaking from Galil, Galilee? How is it that we hear them speaking in our native languages? We are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Yehuda, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pam Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, Jews by birth and proselytes, Jews from Crete and from Arabia. How is it we hear them speaking in our own language about the great things that God has done? Amazed and confused, they all were asking each other, what can this mean? But others made fun of them and said they were just, had just too much wine. But Kepha Peter stood up with the eleven, and raised his voice to address them. You Judeans and all you staying here in Jerusalem, let me tell you what this means. Listen carefully to me. These people aren't drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what is spoken about through the prophet Yoel, Joel. Adonis says in the last days, I will pour out my ruach, my spirit upon everyone. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my slaves, both men and women, I will pour out my ruach, my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. They will perform miracles in the sky above and signs on below the earth that I will perform. Blood and fire and thick smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon blood before the great and fearful day of Adonai comes. And then whoever calls upon the name of Adonai will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Yeshua from Nazareth was a man demonstrated to you to have been from God by powerful works and miracles and signs, and God performed through him in your presence. You yourselves know this. This man was arrested in accordance with God's predetermined plan and foreknowledge. And through the agency of persons not bound by Torah, 
You nailed him on the stake and you killed him. But God raised him up and freed him from the suffering of death. It was impossible that death could keep its hold on him. For David says this about him. I saw Adonai before me, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. For this reason my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. And now my body too will live on in a certain hope that you will not abandon me to Sheol or let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the way of life. You fill me with joy of your presence. Brothers, I know I can say this to you frankly, that the patriarch David died and was buried. His tomb is with us to this very day. Therefore, since he was a prophet and knew God and had sworn an oath to him that one of his descendants would sit on his throne, he was speaking in advance about the resurrection of Messiah, that, he, that it was he who was not abandoned in Sheol and whose flesh did not see decay. God raised up this Yeshua, and we are all witnesses of it, of it. Moreover, he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father what he promised, namely the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and has poured out this gift, which you are both seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he says, Adonai said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies the footstool of your feet. Therefore, let the whole house of Israel know beyond a doubt that God has made both Lord and Messiah, this Yeshua, whom you executed on the stake. On hearing this, they were stung in their hearts. They said to Kepha and the other emissaries, Brothers, what should we do? Kepha answered them, Turn from sin. Return to God, each of you, be immersed on the authority of Yeshua the Messiah into the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for those who are far away, as many as Adonai your God may call. He pressed his case with many other arguments and kept pleading with them, Save yourselves from this perverse generation. So those who accepted what he said were immersed, and they were added to the group that day, about 3,000 people. They continued faithfully in teaching of the emissaries and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Everyone was filled with awe, and many miracles and signs took place through the emissaries. All those trusting Yeshua stayed together and had everything in common. In fact, they sold their property and possessions and distributed their proceeds to all who were in need, continually and faithfully, with singleness and purpose of, of heart, they met in the temple courts daily, breaking bread in their several homes. They shared their food in joy and simplicity of heart, praising God and having respect of all the people. And day after day, the Lord kept adding to them those who were being saved. And so we have this whole account here. This account is interesting considering the background of Shavuot Pentecost to the, to, to the traditional Jewish community. It has always been a day of thanking God for the early harvest, trusting in the latter harvest. What was understood in the physical realm of the Torah 
was made manifest in the spiritual realm of the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament. This has become the most famous of first fruits. Early fruit, first fruits have come in barley. The implicit promise of the latter harvest wheat has now also come. Now we must look to the prophet, prophetic fulfillment. This synchronizes with the promise in scripture of the latter days messianic Jewish revival. Increasing numbers of Jewish people who believe in Yeshua until that final day. All Israel shall be saved as recorded in Romans 11.26. I personally believe that the growing revival among the Jews believing in Messiah today indicates that they are drawing close to that time. The explosive growth in the Messianic Jewish movement testifies to this modern reality. In Acts 2, it reveals amazing details conforming the Jewish background of the New Testament, Shavuot Pentecost. In Ezekiel chapter 1, it is traditionally the reading from the prophets during Shavuot. This passage dramatically describes Ezekiel's vision of the glory of God as he describes the tremendous manifestation in these terms. Let us now turn to Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 1. To fully understand what was going through the hearts and minds of these Jewish men who had just come from the temple courts as they were celebrating Shabbat, the fullness and the manifestation of the spirit of the living God being manifested undeniable before their eyes. And there are many people within the uh, congregation of Messiah who have been grafted in, never put these two uh, chapters together. And so here it begins in Ezekiel. In the 13th year, on the 15th day of the fourth month, while I was among the exiles by the Kevar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. And on the fifth day of the month, which was during the fifth year of the king, Yechaniah's exile, the word of Adonai came to the Kohen, Ezekiel, the son of Buzi, in the land of Kassidim, by the Kavar River, there the hand of Adonai was upon him. And I looked and I saw a windy storm approaching from the north, and a huge cloud with flashing fire, glowing brightly all around with color of gleaming amber from within the fire. Inside there appeared to be four living creatures that looked like human beings, but each one had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight with feet like calves' hoofs. They glittered like burnished bronze. Beneath their wings they had human hands on their four sides. The four of them had faces and wings as follows, they touched one another with their wings. They did not turn when they moved, but each one moved straight forward. As for the appearance of their faces, they had human face in front. Each of the four had a lion's face on the right. Each of the four had a bull's face on the left. And each of the four had an eagle's face towards the rear. Uh, Brother David shared a little about a Reve Revelation chapter 4. Where we, where we hear about these, these creatures. 
in God's throne room in heaven that uh, the apostle John, Yohanan, sees. So going forward here, verse 11, Thus their faces, as their wings, each had two that stretched upward, joined those of the others, and two more that covered their bodies. Each living creature moved in one direction of any of its faces, in whichever direction the spirit wanted to go. They went without turning as they moved, and thus the appearance of the living creatures. With them was something that looked like a fiery coals burning the way torches do. With the fire flashing here, there between the living creatures, the fire had a brilliance, and out of the fire went lightning. And the living creatures kept speeding here and there like flashes of lightning. As I gazed at the living creatures, I saw wheels on the ground, one next to each of the four-faced living creatures. All four wheels looked the same. Their inner parts gleamed like barrel. Their structure seemed to be that of a wheel inside a wheel. And when they moved, they, got, they could go in any of the four directions without turning as they moved. Their rims were tall and fearsome, but the rims of all four were full of eyes all around. When the living creatures moved, the wheels moved along with them. And when the creatures were lifted off the ground, the wheels went with them. Wherever the spirit was to go, they went, and in the direction of the spirit wanted to go. The wheels were lifted up next to them, because the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. When the living creatures moved, the wheels moved. When the former stood still, the latter stood still. And when the former were lifted off the ground, the wheels were lifted up next to them, because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Over the heads of the living creatures was what appeared to be a dome glittering like ice. It was awesome, spread out over their heads above them. Under the dome of each pair of wings spread out straight towards those of the others. Each had a pair which covered his body. I heard the sound of their wings when they moved, and it was like the sound of a rushing water, like the voice of Shaddai, like the noise of a tumultuous crowd or army. When they stopped, they lowered their wings. Whenever they, there was a sound from above the dome over their heads, they stopped and lowered their wings. Above the dome that was over their heads was something like a throne that looked like sapphire. And on it, above it, was what appeared to be a person. And I saw what looked like gleaming amber colored fire radiating from what appeared to be his waist upward. Downward from that what appeared to be his waist. And I saw what looked like fire, giving brilliant lights all around him. This brilliance around him looked like a rainbow in the cloud on a rainy day. This is how the appearance of the glory of Adonai looked. When I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of someone speaking. So you can imagine, as these Jewish men left the temple courts during the celebration of Shavuot and simply went back to the inns that they were staying. Because notice this, those from the diaspora, they had come to the land of Israel prior to Passover, prior to first fruits, and had remained in the land an additional 50 days so that they could be in the land, because it cost them a lot to travel this far. 
to honor the Lord on his appointed times and his feasts. So imagine the thousands of Jewish worshipers now leaving the temple after this morning service at the third hour, as Acts 2.15 says, having just read the passage from Ezekiel chapter 1, suddenly some of the same manifestations of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, started to appear before their very eyes. No wonder they were amazed and perplexed by the windstorm and the fire, just as Ezekiel speaks of, of God's presence. So as we move more, more forward, it certainly got their attention. They must have wondered if God was now revealing his Shekinah, his glory, for the first time in nearly 600 years. The glory of God was present at the giving of the Torah. That same glory now was being manifested in the giving of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Just as the prophet later wrote, I will put my Ruach, this is Ezekiel 36, 27. I will put my Ruach, my spirit, in you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Notice this, placing it within them, not upon them. So as we move forward here, in the Tanakh times, the Ruach would come upon certain chosen people and then later leave. So these Jewish pilgrims who had come from all over from the diaspora were hearing the impossible. These Galilean Talmudim, these Galilean disciples of Yeshua, were speaking in various languages with such exact dialect that the crowd saw it as an irrefutable miracle, undeniable. So having received their undivided attention through these acts of God, Kepha Peter was able to preach a powerful sermon about Yeshua, and 3,000 responded to salvation. The first fruits of the believers had come in in a very wonderful way. Later, the apostle Yaakov, who is James, in his letter to Jewish people, in Yaakov, the book of James, chapter 1, verse 1, emphasizes this historical fact as he reminds his readers. See, Yaakov was called to those who were part of the diaspora, who were, who were sent out from the nation of Israel, part of the diaspora. And he says this to them. In James 1.1, Yaakov 1.1, having made his decision, he gave birth to us through a word that can be relied upon in order that we should be a kind of first fruits of all that he has created. So going forward here, the theme now of Shavuot can be best now summed up by the word revival. Just as Kepha said, you need to repent of your sins and be reconciled unto God. First fruits of believers of Shavuot virtually guarantees a revival in the latter-day spiritual harvest for a Messiah. Now we can now understand why God included Shavuot Pentecost in this three required festivals for every Jewish male to attend. As Passover speaks of redemption, Shavuot speaks now of revival, turning away from your sins, especially during this era. The message of Shavuot is one of the great hopes and joys. May the day soon come 
when the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the living God, will be poured out upon a huge portion of the house of David. They will all look in faith to the one who was pierced. And where is that from? But Zechariah 12.10. So now how can we apply this practically for both those who have been grafted into the commonwealth of Israel and those of us Jews who have had the veil of deception removed from our eyes because we tried to perform through our own works to gain righteousness by fulfilling Torah, but it was impossible for us to do until we came broken with contrite hearts before the Lord and, and received his work both his death, his resurrection, and his righteousness. This comes about as we have contrite hearts, broken before the Lord, and show true fruits of repentance. Then we are truly reconciled unto God, and then he imputes his righteousness upon us. It's by faith and faith alone, not through works of our own righteousness, that we can be reconciled to God the Father through the Son by the power and the keeping of the Ruach HaKodesh. So, with all the spiritual meaning behind the day of Shavuot, believers in Yeshua can find a great blessings in celebrating it. And so we'll now end with these two prayers. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech Halam Asher Kedishanu Lehayot O Oim, Vitanu, Lanu, Yeshua, Mishigenu, Ho'olam. Blessed art you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by your commandments and commanded us to be the light to the nations and has given us Yeshua, our Messiah, to be the light of the world. And so on this night, this holy day, we say this last prayer unto the Lord for thanksgiving. Blessed art you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has given us life and sustained us and brought us for this season, for his plan, that we may be both Jews and Gentiles, one and Messiah, to be lights to the Jewish people who still have a veil over their eyes and to those of the nations who walk in darkness. Hag Sameach and Shabbat Shalom.